With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everybody. It's Charlene Anderson, your wholesale sourcing expert, here on February 5th, 2020, with a very special podcast, with a very special guest. We have with us today, Chris McCabe. Um, Chris is one of those go-to people who knows all about the inner workings of Amazon. So Chris, before we get started, can you tell everybody what you did at Amazon and how you got started with your current business? Yeah, I mean, I've been doing consulting for over five, five and a half years now. Back at Amazon, uh, the quickest way to explain it would be I worked on performance evaluation and policy enforcement teams. Um, a lot of different things that we would do to investigate sellers. Some of it was bad faith behavior. Some of it was good faith, but um, performance issues would crop up. Um, people would violate policy, sometimes intentionally, sometimes unintentionally. But we were the team in charge of, if you will, regulating uh, the sellers on the marketplace to make sure third-party sales would um, would go well. Okay, so since your time at Amazon, and especially the last six-month period, what has changed? I mean, especially in the last six months, we've seen Amazon layer in several more pieces of automation in terms of how they um, flag listings, how they investigate accounts. They're trying to make it less manual more automated. Um, and this means investigations by investigators will happen very quickly. Um, anything that sellers send in terms of correspondence, uh, drawing attention to invoices that they were asked for, or specific ASIN information, just make sure it's 100% clear because investigations are quick. We've seen a lot of disorganized, sloppy stuff going on where they ask you for the same stuff several times and you have to provide it several times. So that seems to be worsening, and I think we've done some research and we have a good idea of, of why that happened. And what, what is the reason? Um, the managers have changed on a lot of these teams. There's not as much um, auditing of investigations, not as much oversight. So I think investigators have more of a free shot at just slapping a couple annotations on your account, maybe sending you the right message in response, automated not automated message, but pre-written messaging. Maybe they uh -huh. modify it in the ways they're supposed to to put the right ASINs in. Maybe they add ASINs from another investigation they were just looking at. So there's not enough oversight and there's not any sense of investigation quality being a priority. And if the managers are changing roles or if some of them are leaving the company and you know Amazon doesn't necessarily announce these things, they just do it internally, um, then that means there's leaderless teams or there's teams that might have a new manager who's not 100% up to date on how seller performance works or, or how item quality investigations are supposed to be conducted. I mean, I've certainly seen that. Fortunately, I've never, I haven't had to contact seller performance or anything, but just basic, simple seller support cases are facing those same issues um, yeah. with you know, cut and paste messages that have no relationship to what the question is we asked or what the help we was needed was needed. And the same issue, asking for the same information like six times from us. And you right. provide it, 
and you provide it and you provide it. So do you think we should just keep sending it and keep going or escalate? No, what do you do with I that mean, kind of- yeah, seller support is, is, I mean, I think seller performance over the years has become more and more like seller support. And we used to get a lot more done emailing seller performance than we did ever opening cases. I mean, we spend a small percentage of our time dealing with support because we didn't think their information was accurate or even actionable. Mm-hmm. So if they're giving you bad information and you're going off and following it, and coming back with what they said they needed or wanted, and it's not based on anything, any real information, then you're wasting your time and you're going to have to do it several times in a row anyway. So we got away from dealing with support a long time ago. The problem becomes performance is now at the same low level of performance in terms of the accuracy of what they do, what they send you, their ability to read and review what you send them, to annotate accounts properly. I mean, people have been through this with account health services. If you've been suspended and you had to talk to an account health rep, they often would have no idea what was going on with your appeal either. So they should have access to the annotations. They should be able to tell you why you've been denied or why something hasn't been reviewed yet. But they give you kind of seller support style quality responses, which just increases more information. Yeah, which is about the worst quality you can get. I had to deal with um, uh, a chat support with American Express the other day. And Mm -hmm. it was mind-bogglingly efficient and accurate and refreshing. And it's like, oh, my God. You know, and and Amex isn't a little company either, you know. Um, But George from Amex, he was on the ball, and he got the questions answered and the stuff done as efficient as anybody could offer. So the problem is not it's a big company. The problem is, as you said, managers, training, uh, the whole kit and caboodle is just out of control lately. At least that's how I feel. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't pay a lot of dividends to get angry at, at the one seller performance person that sent you the errant email or gave you the wrong information or the seller support rep that doesn't have any clue what's going on. I mean, those are low-level, uh, badly trained employees, but they're, they should be managed staff and managed team members, and they're not um, to the extent they might be managed on paper, but in practice, there's just huge gaps and holes that you could drive a freight train through um, in terms of who's audited, are they following up on training, are they retraining anyone? And you just get that pervasive sense that Amazon's just so big, has so many parts, so many teams that aren't talking to each other. If they are talking to each other, they're not doing it in any efficient way. Um, they're probably just doing a series of meetings at the manage- managerial level let's try this, let's do that, let's roll this out next quarter. But, I mean, when they're pressing needs now and there are people emailing seller performance trying to get one person to just read, to open an invoice and look at it, to read an email about a particular ASIN that was shut down, and you can't do that correctly without four or five attempts. I mean, clearly, whatever management's going on needs to be remanaged or rethought. I I think it's kind of like, Amazon needs to stop, take, take a deep breath, quit rolling out mm-hmm. new stuff, and get what's in place fixed first, you know? I agree. Because I agree. It's because a big it's snowball. It's getting out of control. And the cra- yeah. Yeah. The, the crap's in the middle of the snowball, and it just keeps rolling more stuff around it, but the, the junk's still in the middle, you know, that it isn't fixed. And, you know, I've been selling on Amazon since 2001, and boy, it just seems exponentially things are getting worse. It, it's always yeah. gotten worse, I think, but it seems exponentially it's getting worse. And you probably see more of it than anybody, don't you? 
Well, I think at this point, the S-team executives that are intimately involved in the management of the marketplace need to play a larger role in what the people who report to them, the VPs or mid-level management who report to the VPs, what are these people actually doing with their day? Um, you know, and if the VPs or mid-level management are complaining, well, we're drowning in all these escalation emails because people are writing to us instead of writing to the, the performance teams or writing through Seller Central or writing to the team that suspended their account. They don't seem to understand that their failure to manage the people who are reporting to them is what's resulting in all of these extra emails. Um, and people do have to escalate directly to specific people higher up in the company because the people who are in charge of managing these teams aren't really doing a good job. So the question becomes, do those yeah. people, those managers need to be replaced? And how willing is Amazon to replace them? And if it's not the person who's in charge of managing those teams, then what's the process? Uh, what tools, what SOPs, what's going to change in terms of we're going to retrain everybody, but on an SOP and a process that we've tested, we like it, we've audited it, we ran it by some sellers, we ran it by some experts, everyone says this is a 110% improvement on what we've been doing for the last two years, so we're going to go with it. I mean, I never, ever hear that kind of chatter or discussion between internal teams about how they can actually improve these things. Everything's always a stopgap measure or a temporary measure, um, and it's disheartening to say the least. Yeah, and do you think, and I have to admit, I'm, I've never worked for a big corporation. You know, I've been an entrepreneur all mm -hmm. my life. And um, Do you think, like, having individuals take ownership of a case would solve this? Like, you have one person from start to finish for the case instead of every time it's a different person? I don't think so because there's too many time zones involved. There are too many, I mean, Amazon's a global company and there are too many people all over the world working on the same stuff. Um, so if you're waiting for somebody who's in a different time zone who was the last person to work on your case to be the one that follows up with you and work on the, the next facet of it, I think if you're talking about lower scale, smaller volumes, then that might be possible if, if most customers are within the United States or within the same time zone. Um, but the way Amazon is, is so big and so global, they have to hand the baton off to each other you know, throughout the day or throughout the week to get something to the finish line. It's unfortunate that there are so many drawbacks to that approach, um, but with the way Amazon is now and the, the way they've devoted certain resources to certain teams, it has to be this way, unfortunately. Do you th also, um, and I I didn't think of the time zone thing, but that makes perfect sense. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you're going to lose 18 hours or 16 hours every time waiting right. for the person to get back to work. Um, mm -hmm. Do you think that um, that Amazon knows that this is a big issue, or are they blind to it? Because I wonder, I sit there sometimes and think, they have to know that this is so bad. And then I think, well, maybe they don't. They do now. They didn't in the past. Um, when I spoke to people, I, I know that they were believing their own, you know, PR <laughs> in terms of, you know, most of our <laughs> sellers are happy with the way we communicate. I mean, you've seen the surveys. I'm sure you've seen yeah. some of the um, – there was a guy who was a VP of seller support who ended up taking a lot of account reinstatement escalations. Um, he's he since left the company, but I read some quote of his from maybe two and a half years ago that said, we polled sellers and 90-something percent of them love the way seller support works. And it's, I mean, I don't really believe he believes that, but I think around the company they probably believed that that was the case and that most people that were selling felt like they were getting answered right and their needs were being attended to. I can't believe that the higher-ups still believe that now. 
um, the last year and a half especially, there's just so, so much evidence, whether it shows up in the media or within company communications, there's so much evidence that things have irretrievably broken down. Um, that is what led to the manager reshuffle in Q4 that we heard about. Um, again, not widely publicly discussed, but I think they finally got to the point where they realized that lots of teams were not doing the work efficiently, not doing the work they were supposed to, um, and maybe they didn't have a good way of auditing quality of those seller account investigations, and they finally just decided too much craziness, too much chaos, we're going to have to get some other managers in place. I mean, maybe in some cases they just changed managers to a different role. Other people might have left the company, um, but it wasn't happening the way it should happen at a company that's this rich, this big, and that has this many resources. And I think they, they finally, in Q4, I mean, it's only a few weeks since Q4, but in Q4, they finally turned the corner on at least understanding that there are grave concerns about how the marketplace is being managed. Yeah, I mean, it, and uh, it's, it's an interesting proposition in that I feel, I, I feel that they don't, a lot of them don't know just, and maybe this is from my perception when I went to the women's conference where I first met you, Chris, um, mm-hmm. is that um, they're so busy running around, and this is how it felt like to me there, that they, they listen but don't hear, or they hear but don't listen. So they'd ask yeah. you something, and I can remember talking with the, the big, I stopped him in the, the hallway, the big guy who was there, and I can't even remember his name, um, in my little red notebook somewhere else. Um, and I had one simple question to ask him, and he looked at me with this like blank look like, what are you talking about? And his what are you opinion, talking about? Oh, yeah. Oh, Mr. So-and-so has to run now. You can address that somewhere else. You know, it's like, right. well, obviously he has no clue, you know. And I think he may have been like senior VP of Marketplace or third party or whatever, you know. Right. Um, right. But he had like four minions following him around to get him to the right place at the right time. So I, I think that there is, there is a unwillingness to acknowledge that this is a huge problem. Because it definitely was when it came. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, there, to give a specific example, there definitely was a lot of institutional denial around abuse and bad behavior by black hat companies that were helping their clients or sellers attack other sellers, um, abuse Amazon's processes, abuse, you know, make make false IP claims, for example. I mean, that's still going on. So yes, for when I first connected with, you know, different Amazon internal teams or managers, let's say, and, and spoke about what I'm seeing, what my clients are complaining about and grappling with, they, they had that blank stare like, I don't even know what you're talking about. If there's a bad actor, we usually, you know, find out about them eventually and take the appropriate action. They had no idea, uh, at least back in, you know, fall of 2018, let's say, they had absolutely no idea what the scale of the problem was. They had absolutely no idea how pervasive it was. And then on top of that, they had no idea that all of the sellers, I mean, not just clients, every seller that I was advising on uh, which teams to contact, the Amazon management teams didn't understand that you would just get no response back whatsoever. You would get maybe a generic answer saying, we'll review this, but for privacy reasons, we can't tell you what we're going to do and then you would check live on the site to see if a listing was still there or a seller was still there and nothing would change. And there would never be any um, follow through or transparency on that. There was never any explanation why so many people would complain about such obvious stuff and absolutely nothing would happen. 
So I think in the last 18 months, they've come at least closer to understanding how bad the abuse problems are. And then for things like fake IP claims um, and notice infringement claims that were getting thousands and thousands of people suspended that had no basis whatsoever, how rampant that was and how it really served no purpose to send a message back saying, you haven't addressed the IP claim we received. You know, every time a fake claim came in, you probably couldn't uh, contact a rights owner and get it resolved with them, right, and get a rights owner retraction. You were sort of left out on this island to sort out what to do next, even if you were a victim of attacks and abuse by somebody abusing, that t uh, abusing the process. They didn't understand any of that. They do now. They still don't have solutions in place, but that's just one example that we've seen in the last year or so. I had to send a Dear Jeff letter, and you know me, I don't use those lightly, but I had to send one in the middle of the month, last month. Uh, my bookkeeper went into Amazon to get reports to do my sales tax stuff, you know, because that's due in mm -hmm. a lot of places on the 15th or the 20th. And she went in and she, she got my husband's just fine, and she got other clients just fine, but mine would not finish so she could download it. It would say in process, mm -hmm. and it stayed in process for her for a couple mm -hmm. days. So I tried it. Mm -hmm. It didn't work for me. Um, contacted seller support, and they said, oh, yeah, everybody is experiencing this issue. Now, come on. No, because I know this person sitting right next to me at the dinner table isn't having an issue and all of that. <laughs> and they kept saying, right. they said, no, it's everybody. No, it's everybody. So finally, when we're the day before the sales tax is due, sales tax reports are due, I had to send the Dear Jeff letter, and it did take them four or five days to get back to me, but they finally right. did, and it was one server that was having an issue, and oh there were several hundred, several hundred people who couldn't get their reports. I was one of them, and oh, we're mm -hmm. sorry. You know, and it's like, yeah. what do you mean, sorry? I'm now in the penalty phase of sales tax because you couldn't get your act together, and basically because your seller support person lied and said everybody is having a problem, I am still getting those automated emails from that case saying we're looking into it almost a month later now. Yeah, so if I, mean, I hadn't written the Dear Jeff, where would I be? You know, I would say yeah, just start doing stuff like that a lot sooner um, because if then, I mean, you have to give them time to respond too. And a lot of emails to Jeff, they, there's no response at all these days or for the last few months. So you would need to decide and understand sooner that you weren't going to get that response and waiting for support. I mean, support isn't trustworthy anymore. There, there are oh. lots of sellers who are suspended in verification. That's another example, right? People who can't register their accounts. I'm sure you've heard about that from at least some people. Um, failure to verify their identities, fa failure to verify you know, the documents that they've sent in, their bank statements, business license, whatever it might be. Um, support, I think I hear about this maybe every day or every other day, support's telling people, well, if you're stuck in the registration process and you failed to verify, then open a new account. They're telling people that constantly. Oh my so God, what happens to the really? new account? It gets closed for related. I had one of those this morning, oh actually. My God. So they're just giving erroneous bad information, and then it looks like you're trying to open second accounts when the first one doesn't go through instead of going back through your documents, oh. making sure everything's accurate and acceptable. So somebody just has to go into support and stop them from giving that kind of advice. I mean, I don't know any other, uh, any other solution yeah. other than to simply disbelieve what they tell you. And that's only one example. I mean, we've seen I don't know how many cases with different clients 
who couldn't, I mean, I just tell them flat out, do not trust what they told you. You want to ask me the question and have me tell you how it works? Yep. And I don't work there anymore, but the information I can give you is 10 times better than you'll get from support because support isn't afraid to make things up. We've seen this with account health services as well. Um, Suspended sellers who are calling in saying, where's my POA? Are they reviewing it? What's wrong with it? I just get these canned generic answers saying, we haven't sent the right information to you, which is common now. Um, The reps often, I think they can't find what you're talking about. They can't find your appeal. They don't know where you are in the pipeline. They seem to struggle with their own tools, just identifying where your appeal is. And if it's been reviewed yet, there seems to be a lot of confusion over that. And I think they just make stuff up. They just say, well, I'm here to help you with your plan of action. So I'm going to sit here and read it with you and go over what I think you should improve on it. And you might not need to improve a thing on your POA. The POA might be 100% solid. Maybe there's an invoice they want to see from you. Maybe there's a a link to your supplier's website that they need to review. Um, It could be a completely different situation. But they've trained account health to just make things up keep the plates spinning on the uh, sticks and keep you thinking that they've done something to help you when they've actually just sort of occupied some of your time, given you some free advice on your plan of action, which you probably didn't need or you may not have needed. And they send you off thinking that if you rewrite your POA, you'll be, you know, at some later date, you'll rewrite the POA today. At some later date, it will be re-reviewed and accepted and you'll be okay. And in a lot of cases, it's just gibberish. None of that's accurate. None of it's true to the point where when I'm sitting in on calls with account health services with my clients, I just start picking apart what they're saying. You know, do you have a basis for saying this? Are you looking at annotations on the account that, that tell you this? Because you're supposed to see things we can't on the outside. But you don't sound like you know anything more about this than we do. So who should we talk to? You know, that's the kind of pushy way you have to get at the real information. Otherwise, you're accepting bad information from an internal rep. How can you base an appeal on bad information? I don't, I don't think that's any, you know, anything you can use. That's, yeah, exactly. That's the worst thing about you, know, you have to have the information. I have a couple questions I wanted to get to that are in the chat before I lose them in mm-hmm. chat. Thalia okay. um, wants, wants to know, um, because, because of all this verification stuff and all that, if you want to make a change to your account related, change of address, business entity, um, upgrade or downgrade your selling account. She says, as we all know, technically you could do this in, um, through Seller right. Central. But should we all, like, advise through a, opening a case that we're going to be doing this? Because we're all afraid yeah, I mean, to change is... anything now. <laughs> and they should be. They should be afraid because people get suspended for changing a credit card, changing a bank you know, bank information, changing an address. I mean, these things happen all the time. The best you can do is get ahead of the game. And yes, this is one of the few things that support might be good for, which is to to let them know in advance that you're going going to be making that change. Same with seller performance, sending an email to the seller performance teams. Please annotate my account. I'm making this change. Um, I'm writing to you, you know, you don't have to say this necessarily, but you're writing from the primary email address. Obviously, you're the person in charge of the account, um, and you're making a change, a legitimate change. It doesn't mean you're compromised. It doesn't mean, you know, something fishy is going on with the account. And you need confirmation from them that they've annotated your account accordingly. If you never hear back from them, I would not make that change yet unless you're just 
up against it time-wise and desperate because you need them to at least say, yes, we annotated your account accordingly or in the case of seller support, I suppose, answering the case. I mean, I wouldn't just leave it with support and not email seller performance. That's my first words of advice. Don't leave anything exclusively in the hands of support ever and if, if you can help it. Okay. Okay, so that's, I, that's what I've been telling people in the group. Don't just go in and change it. Tell them you're changing it yeah. first, you know, so you have it on record. And Michelle Butler says, if I had a dollar for every time I tell a new seller not to believe the things that seller support tells you, I'd be rich. You wouldn't need to sell on Amazon anymore. <laughs> um, and mm-hmm. it's sad but true, you know. Um, so, Thalia, I hope that answered your question. And we have another one. If you have an item that's stuck in hazmat review, and you keep sending in the battery and chemical exemption information on that spreadsheet every week, and they haven't done anything in three months. Is there anything else you can do? Um, in terms of account health metrics? Well, just to know, to be able to get that thing out of HAZMAT, being stuck in HAZMAT review. If they, they're not doing anything with it, this person keeps submitting I mean, escalate, escalate the same way you would, yeah, escalation is the only other option to you. You have to start banging on as many doors as possible, okay. whether it's to Jeff okay. or directly to managers or to other teams. I mean, um, if, if the teams that are supposedly uh, responsible for, the, for this action aren't taking any action, aren't reviewing anything, um, then you have to go to other teams and explain, you know, don't send me back to this team. I've already been there. They're not doing anything. I need this to be escalated to a manager. And if it's impossible to escalate to a manager of a different team, what the hazmat teams aren't doing, then it has to be, you know, then you're going to executive seller relations, which is the Jeff email. Okay, executive seller relations. Yeah, that's what the the woman, her name was, uh, it was a guy's name, and I thought it was the guy. Thank God she called me before I said he and something. Um, uh, call the team also. And I want to clear up one thing in the group before I have my next question, Chris, is just because something is on Amazon FBA doesn't mean it's not hazmat. Because certain sellers like me have approval to sell hazmat things. They have to go to a separate warehouse and blah, blah, blah. They can't go into regular shipment. So just because it's on Amazon doesn't mean it isn't hazmat. So just to clear that up with um, everybody. used to be the case decades ago, but not anymore. So Back to the questions, what do you think is the biggest threat to our Amazon business now? Um, competitors who are not, who run unchecked when they do infringement claims. I mean, if you're a reseller and you're getting infringement claims, you have to, that's your biggest threat because brands are knocking you off listings and you're not doing any homework before you list and sell the items to make sure that you won't attract claims like that because obviously Amazon is suspending people by the bucket load because they don't want to get in between brands and resellers. So that's the, the largest threat, legitimate threat. Um, fake IP claims are the next biggest threat. So if you've got other resellers that are trying to knock you off listings by pretending they're a rights owner and contacting the notice teams for counterfeit or other IP claims, trademark and so forth, um, then you need to know how to handle fake claims just as much as the legitimate ones. Uh, beyond brands and fake IP claims from competitors or other bad parties out there, um, it's buyers who are complaining about inauthentic or lower quality items. So the third most uh, pressing issue is to make sure that your the quality of your items is top notch and that you won't attract any 
counterfeit claims from buyers as well, because obviously Amazon's very worried about their reputation and their the perceived inability to check counterfeit sales on the site. So they're rubber stamping most it, buyer complaints as legitimate and moving on from there to enforcement. So the, the first one we can do something about, meaning we only buy mm-hmm. from the manufacturer or their authorized distributors. That, that's one we can, we can control that one ourselves, where we source those products. Right. At this um, point, don't, yeah, at this point you shouldn't be selling anything if you think that the brand might come after you and knock you off a listing. And I mean, it's not just losing some ASINs. You'll get your whole account suspended if you have enough brands who are uh, clamoring for your removal. So you have to be on the best possible terms of the brand. Otherwise, you know, forget it. Exactly. You want that brand to stand behind you, you know, if push comes to shove on this thing. So that one we can do something about. The competitor one, that's one we don't have any control over, I don't think, about someone doing mm-hmm. that. Um, I think this is a case where Amazon needs to wake up and realize what's happening and, and at least have a reasonable investigation instead of just taking a brand's, you know, someone's claim and saying, nah, yeah, fine, you're, all, you're done, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then the I mean, you can report abusive sellers. I mean, you, you can report abusive sellers to abuse teams. Abuse teams have learned that they have to up their game a little bit because this is rampant and going on every day. So it is possible. You, you're wasting your time if you only do it within Seller Central. But um, there are ways of reporting fake IP claims just as you would somebody who's getting obvious fake product reviews on a listing. So. And the third one you said was the, the customers claiming fake, bad quality, all that kind of stuff. And that one is well, we have some control over it, right? We have to make sure we source good quality products for one thing. Don't be selling crap, you know? Yeah. Well, quality control and inspection of product before it gets into FBA or goes out to buyers. But beyond that, having all your documentation ready, you just don't have like a bag of retail receipts somewhere. I mean, you've got everything scanned, everything ready to go in case anyone challenges authenticity um, or item condition. You know, then it's the quality of your sourcing. If you're buying a, a bunch of retail items that are open box resealed, they're supposed to be new, but they are open box, then a buyer on Amazon might not consider it new anymore. So. And Amazon is a big culprit in that because I would say about one-third of the products I buy new on Amazon are actually returns, and they're not even subtle returns. They're surge protectors with the, with the cable unwrapped and just shoved in the box. My husband bought a set of wrenches the other day, and it was obvious it was a return because they were supposed to fit in a blister pack, each one in the right little space, and they weren't. They were just all jumbled up, and then it was in a, a, one of Amazon's green poly bags with the LPN right. sticker still on it, you know? So Amazon right. is a horrible example on this because they do stuff that we would never be allowed to do, but they do it. Right, of course. They play by their, yeah. they say play by our rules, but we don't have to. <laughs> right, and you know what? That's every their, time I get yeah. something that I, every time we get something that we buy supposedly is new that comes to us in that condition, I will not roll over. I complain. You know, I'm sorry, I don't want somebody's used surge protector. You know, it could be defective, and that's why it was returned. But, you know, this is what Amazon's inspection and repackaging does. You know, gives us junk. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, right. so what, 
Sally wants to know, what does Amazon consider to be adequate sourcing or account documentation? That would be invoices with a direct line to the manufacturer, correct? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Direct okay. line to the manufacturer, and supply chain documentation that can be accepted. Make sure your suppliers are verifiable. They've got websites that look like they're established suppliers for the brands you're selling. Um, make sure as well that if Amazon calls to confirm information on an invoice, they actually pick up and they know who you are and they can confirm mm, the information okay. on the invoice. Verifying suppliers is a okay. huge new thing and if the phone call doesn't go the right way, Amazon's been accusing everyone of forged or manipulated invoices, which I'm sure you've heard about. Yeah, and Thalia asked, is there any fields for us to black out for privacy purposes or to protect our supply chain? My feeling is I don't black out anything. When I submit invoices for um, a shipment reconciliation where they've come up short, I don't black out anything because I don't want to be accused of anything. Amazon could find my sources in a heartbeat. You know, that's, that's a given. Mm -hmm. So I don't think yeah. to black out anything is – I wouldn't do it. That's just me. Right. Um, you, you should be able to redact prices and – for whatever reason, unfortunately, we've seen people who aren't really doing anything to alter an invoice, maybe circling stuff, which you could always do, um, redacting prices. I've looked at invoices that really had nothing changed on them, and they're, they're saying that they've been edited or falsified. So I think Amazon's just dropping the ball and over-accusing people for that. Maybe they're doing yeah, it for their own selfish reasons. <laughs> to, if they think you're falsifying documentation, they don't even have to spend the time to read your plan of action. So maybe there's an ulterior motive there. Oh, to, to get it out of the queue faster and be done. Just to move that, on. That and, right. I mean, one reason everyone's getting these copy and paste messages that's the same message seven times in a row is because if they're backlogged, I mean, they have an SLA, right, service level agreement on the email queues. They have to keep those contacts in the green. Maybe they go yellow, but they don't want them to go red. When the contacts go from green to red over a certain period of time, it's a miss by that team, and the managers are measured on, you know, how many messages they get. So they're motivating everyone to just mm. move through as quickly as possible. Obviously, things aren't reviewed properly, mistakes are made, but if you can just churn through a bunch of these contacts quickly, um, if you find excuses for not reading something, you'll take it every time, right? Because you have to do a certain number of these an hour. Sure. Um, so they say, always they say, it's quality of investigations up against the, the speed with which they can be completed, but we've always seen the priority is um, definitely on speed. And I've got clients who get messages with, you know, the brackets are still there, and it'll say, like, insert ace in here. I mean, I don't know how much oh, of yeah, I get people those. get this. I but, get those, too. Yeah. Yep. Yep, where they haven't even bothered. Or somebody else's ace right. will be there. You'll, you'll uh, put it in, and it's yeah. not even a product you sell, you know? Right. It's a copy so, and paste <laughs> error. Yeah. Right. So Thalia wants to know, should we continue to redact prices or should we just send everything the way it is? I mean, they, they always say that you can redact prices. That's always been the policy. Um, do you want to risk, is it worth redacting them and, and at the risk that somebody thinks you've edited or altered an invoice in some way that you shouldn't? I mean, that's kind of up to the individual. Um, it's a low risk because most people understand that you can redact prices. Is there a chance somebody will think you altered other things? It seems like there are chances that that happens now. Um, historically, you, you could black out prices. You weren't able to change anything else. I had somebody this morning or yesterday who, I guess the invoice number was also blacked out, not just the prices. 
and they were um, denied reinstatement over over having the invoice number um, removed. So. Hmm. Now, I put an arrow towards the ASIN in question on the invoice, a red mm-hmm. arrow, you know, in PDF writer. So, yep. but I don't redact, I don't touch anything else, that's all I do. Um, and yeah. um, I'm assuming it's working, because I get invoices with, you know, 500 line items. How are they going to know which one is the one, you know, otherwise? So that's kind of my thought. Um, I used to be afraid that Amazon would find my sources and all that, but then I realized they're going to find them anyway. You know, so as little as we, as much as we can do to stay safe, otherwise is kind of my kind of kind of big sigh. Yeah, this is what I'll do it. So, um, so here's the. I know you have to go in a few minutes because you have your video, but here's the one big question: is so if we keep getting these back and forth emails, let's just call it from seller support, because fortunately. Um, most of our members um, don't have to deal with seller performance on a regular basis. Okay. How do we right. get out of that loop of getting back answers that don't relate to the question? I, after about three of them, <laughs> I invite people and ask, ask for escalation. You know, I have a little copy and paste that I put in there. Um, I, and I say, I'm sorry, but it seems that you're not understanding my question, blah, blah. You know, could you escalate this? Um, what what do you suggest we do? I mean, yeah, that's where I have, for my clients at least, that's where I have them emailing seller support, uh, seller performance to say, I tried dealing with this through support. Um, if you can give them a case number in the subject line, if you can tell them which ticket is supposed to be getting worked, then, then great. I mean, if you're stuck in seller support and that's the only team you're willing to deal with, then you're going to have to ask for a 911 escalation if they even do those anymore. It sounds like they don't. Um, and or say, I need this ticket to be escalated to a manager-level employee. Um, if you have to hang up and keep calling back, then I guess you can hang up and keep calling back. Um, if it's just oh my written... God, I don't call. I don't call. It would drive me nuts. Well, if you're writing, it on the phone. yeah. If you're writing, then you've already got text that you can send to another team. You've already written it. So you can send that to performance as well. Or a policy Okay, what team. email do we um, use can, for performance? It's just seller-performance at Amazon. Okay. And the policy seller queue is seller-performance-policy. I mean, those are the main queues. You can put the case okay. in the subject line and say, you know, this is – I mean, it depends on what you're trying to resolve, too. Um, is it a catalog issue? You're trying to get a page updated? I mean, obviously, performance um, isn't the best place to go for that. But, I mean, if you're <laughs> stuck in this cycle of people consistently not understanding the problem, you have to start looking for alternatives. Um, the Jeff at Amazon email address isn't really it's, – it's become just an average email queue because everyone knows about it and everyone uses it. Yeah. So you can use that as one tool among many. It's not the be-all, end-all of escalations. I mean, you can use that as a vehicle to escalate something to executive seller relations, but we don't use it as much as we used to because it's simply flooded with all kinds of queries and junk that, that didn't used to be there. Um, yeah, it's unfortunate it became the first resort instead of the last resort for people, you know? Yeah. Right. Because way back so, when, um, it was actually really useful. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of, you know, I guess I'm talking a bit about some of my competition here, but there's just tons and tons of bad advice out there, and it's growing. And it's I, I just, I field all the queries from people who have listened to bad advice 
in my spare time at night on weekends. I mean, I'm dealing with this constantly. So I, I kind of want to implore people to, to vet what they're listening to instead of just taking everything at face value and believing it all, whether it's from an internal Amazon team that's trying to spin you or an external, like a consultant or a, you know, YouTube guru expert who's trying to spin you. Um, don't accept that people know what they're talking about. You have to do your fact checking and your homework because people, I mean, people who do what I do, who work with suspended sellers are advising sellers, well, if you get stuck with sales performance, just send a letter to Jeff, you know. This is antiquated, old, not yeah. really useful information, but they have to tell you something because you paid them and you're stuck and they didn't do anything for what you paid them. So they just say, well, write to Jeff. And what do I send to Jeff? Oh, send the POA. They're just giving kind of garbage style advice. But I honestly don't blame them as much. I mean, they're opportunists and they don't belong in the field. But I blame the people who are hiring them as well at this point because people aren't really doing their homework of, about who's a real expert and who isn't. So when you're yeah, looking at place, email cues, yeah, go ahead. A scary place to be is some of the other Amazon seller Facebook groups. Um, and mm -hmm. especially if there's a couple, of, I don't even know their names because it just comes through my feed and I'll read a few right. things. It seems that there is a huge market for, and I'm using air quotes, consultants who are preying right. on uh, third-party sellers that are out of the U.S., meaning their English isn't good, you know, they don't know the rules and all this kind of stuff. I see a lot of them where it's obvious the sellers are in the Middle East or India, um, right. Southeast Asia and all that. And the advice they give is just mind-boggling, what they tell these people to do. It is crazy. Yeah, yeah. Well, but the question, I mean, maybe you can answer this better than I can, but the question becomes why do people blindly follow? Um, is it just because, well, I'm not an expert and that person is, so they give me an opinion or guidance, I'm going to follow it because of their expertise. But have they vetted their expertise? I don't get a sense that anyone looks beyond superficial advertising or just, well, I knew a seller who watched a video and it helped them. It could be apples and oranges. It could be, you know, a totally different situation. And there isn't one cookie cutter approach to everything the way a lot of, um, you know, better minds in the Amazon space seem to be saying that there are. Things should be customized. You shouldn't be using templates to communicate with these teams. I understand those teams use templates to communicate with you and that's not going to change, but that doesn't mean you can, you know, submit the same stuff they give to you right back at them and say, um, I'm going to fill in a few slots here and uh, I, I found a template online and it was cheap and it looked effective and people had yeah. rated it and reviewed it well. There's far too many sellers telling me that they do these things. And I don't know if it's just that they don't have the resources to, or the time even to address things in a customized issue tailored way. But that's really your only chance to resolve things without 10 or 12 emails. Um, they see templates and they throw them away. They know that you didn't do your homework and they know that you grabbed, I mean, they probably see the same exact templates multiple times an hour, if not multiple times a day. Well, that's because everyone's going to the template services. Um, not everyone, but the people who send in those templates are going to the same three or four template services. So they've seen those templates yeah, they, before. Of course they yeah. have. It's like we get the same we get the same answers from seller support, and we know the six or eight ones that'll say right. everything and nothing. We'll take nine paragraphs right. and say what could be said in one sentence. You know, 
Um, So I know you have to run. We're almost at the end of time. Um, If you Mm -hmm. can give one piece of advice to us as, I have to say my group's pretty special because we're, we're not running into massive problems like I see in other groups. So one piece of advice Right. you could give members of our group to protect our Amazon accounts, what would it be? Make sure you have maintained effect, um, perfect supply chain documentation. You're not looking for invoices. You have authenticity letters from suppliers or from the brands you're selling, and that stuff's ready to go anytime anyone questions condition, authenticity, item quality, or counterfeit or not. Well, I guess that's authenticity. Um, yeah. Don't be perfect. scrambling. Don't be asking suppliers for invoices after the fact and don't assume that you're not going to need suppliers with verifiable websites or invoices that will pass Amazon's muster. Excellent. That's great advice. Chris, I want to thank you so much for joining us. I know you have to run go do your video and then your meetup and Mm -hmm. then you can rest that mouth of yours because I'm sure it's sore. Thanks again. I really appreciate your time. Um, You're a font of information and I've learned so much and I'm sure everybody else has. So. Take care, everybody. Happy to join you. Great. And we will see you in the group later. Bye-bye, everybody. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.